Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Well, before we do get started, I want to let you know today's show is brought to you by the support of our listeners. And you can support the show at support.greatdetectives.net. Now, I said I'd talk a little bit more about uh, Gail Gordon's career. And it really was a, a fascinating, multifaceted one uh, over radio. Uh, really began in the 30s. Uh, doing a lot of uh, roles uh, for wide variety of radio serials uh, played the villain in um, uh, in uh, in Speed Gibson of the International Secret Police he played Flash Gordon he appeared in front page drama which was an early uh, old-time radio program made lots of appearances on the Lux radio theater and became kind of a key a character actor appearing on a lot of shows um, really, uh, in not, 1940, he took on the role of Mayor Latrivia. And that role, in many ways, uh, set the direction for a lot of his career. Uh, because he would end up playing a lot of these somewhat stuff-shirt authority figures. And he would have roles like that in The Great Gildersleeve, The Halls of Ivy. And his best radio role in that regard was, of course, his Osgood Conklin in Armis Brooks. Over television, he continued the same way, a lot of series opposite Lucille Ball, and, of course, he was also the second uh, Mr. Wilson on Dennis the Menace. But over radio, a little bit more of a variety, uh, particularly in the early years, and uh, certainly a private detective series very different from that. But let's go ahead and take a listen now to today's episode of the Casebook of Gregory Hood, The Black Museum. Petri Wine brings you Facebook of Gregory Hood. Tonight, the Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invite you to listen to the story of the Black Museum. Another exciting adventure from the Casebook of Gregory Hood. And if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you to do a little something for me. And yourself. Tomorrow night, along with your dinner, serve Petri California Burgundy. Petri Burgundy, you know, is the perfect companion for any kind of meat or meat dish. It's a red wine, just as rich in flavor as it is in color. It can transform an ordinary meal into a real occasion. Take even a simple dish like hamburger steak. Cook that hamburger exactly the way you like it. Rare, medium, well-done, fried, barbecued, anyway. Then serve it with a glass of delicious Petri Burgundy. Why, you have a meal that would make anyone happy, even a connoisseur. Remember when you serve that Petri Burgundy, you can serve it proudly. Because Petri is the proudest name 
in the long history of fine wine. It's Monday night in San Francisco, and we have a weekly date with Gregory Hood. Tonight's rendezvous is at one of this city's oldest and best restaurants, Fior d'Italia. The furnishings are tasteful, the service discreet, and the veal scallopini a la maison, so Gregory tells me, is incomparable. Let's join him, shall we? Good evening, Mr. Bartell. Good evening, Mr. Lippy. You're joining Mr. Hood, of course. Yes. <laughs> he tells me that life is incomplete until I've tried Scalapini Fiore d'Italia. <laughs> we do pride ourselves on the dish. Uh, follow me, please, Mr. Bartell. Mr. Hood always has the same table. He came in a few moments ago. What? Well, this is his table, but where did he go? Uh, into the kitchen, perhaps. I know he's an amateur cook of some note. It's more than likely. Uh, please. To sit down, Mr. Bartell, and I will see if I can find him. Thanks, Mr. Lippy. Ah, here he comes now. Oh, evening, Gregory. Hello, Harry. I see Basil Lippy's taking care of you. Thank you, Basil. It was a pleasure. Harry, this is quite an occasion. I've got it. You've got what? The secret. George and Frank Marinetti finally broke down and gave me the missing link to that scallopini. Into the olive oil, you must add a pinch of oregano, a wisp of thyme, and then no more than a faint murmur of chopped green mint. And the wine, Harry. Ah, that's where the fun starts. When you pour it into uh, Gregory, the uh, right now our listeners want an adventure out of the casebook of Gregory Hood. It would be much more profitable to learn how to cook scallopini fior d'Italia, Harry. Crime is common, good cooking is rare. <laughs> Maybe, Gregory, but I'll take the scallopini later, if you don't mind. For the next half hour, how's about uh, Gregory Hood versus the Underworld? Well, if you insist, let me see. What story did I promise you last week? One that you called the Black Museum. Ah, yes, yes. That was an odd adventure, Harry. I suppose it really began a couple of months ago in my apartment on Nob Hill. Sandy Taylor and I had a dinner date with some friends, and he dropped by for a martini. I thought I excelled myself with the martinis that night, but Sandy, though he's my best friend as well as my attorney, is the unfortunate victim of an overdeveloped sense of punctuality. After half an hour, he was champing at his bit to be off. Finally, with the devilish cunning of the seasoned bachelor, I convinced him that one more martini was almost... All right, Gregory, you win. The snap of your arm was positively deafening, Sandy. <laughs> but let's watch the time. The Austins are expecting us at 7.15. They're such nice people that I'm always astonished at their gastronomic indifference. Their cook deserves to be stewed in her own culinary juices. Mm, pleasant thought, but she'd need a colossal saucepan. True, true. By the way, Sandy, did you know Tim Brady arrived back in town today? Tim Brady? Oh, yes, he's your agent down in Mexico, isn't he? Yeah. Has he unearthed any treasures this trip? Haven't seen him yet. He called me just before you arrived. I told him to drop by for a drink. Well, what happened to him? Well, he'd better hurry. Oh, that must be Tim now. Oh, Lord, give him a fast price, Gregory. Oh, there's a martini left. I'll give him that, and then he can walk down to the car. Hello, Tim. Good to see you again, Gregory. Oh, how are you, Mr. Taylor? Oh, hello, Brady. Too bad you arrived so late. We've got a rush. We're behind schedule now. Sorry, but I got tied up. Can I walk down to the car with you? Just what I was going to suggest. In the meanwhile, there's one martini that's homeless. Mm, not any longer, Gregory. Thanks. Well, how are things down in Mexico? Well, not too promising for Gregory Hood imported. Oh, government control? Yeah, most of the good stuff's sewed up. And smuggling's not what it used to be, huh? Did you get anything really choice? Well, just the one item, that's the honey. What did you think of it? Well, I went through your last shipment at the warehouse, but I didn't notice anything special. And well, what did you dig up, Brady? Oh, a knife. A sacrificial knife. It's a genuine pre-conqueror item. Obsidian blade, carved stone handle, and it's guaranteed to have been used in human sacrifices to the war god. Good work, Tim. Of course, you didn't send it with a regular consignment. No, special packaging. 
But it should have been here by now. Well, it sounds like a real find. Did you pay a big price for it? No, got it for a song, but there's a reason for that. Its previous owner just got himself murdered with it. From what I hear, they usually do. Huh? The knife's got a curse on it, Gregory. Whoever has it in his possession is supposed to die soon and violently. Dear me. I'm going to polish up my steel waistcoat. But in the meantime, I guess we must be moving. Uh, want to walk down to the car with us? Oh, sure, Gregory. Uh, get our hat, Sandy, will you? <laughs> you mean I've really got you on your way? Wonders will never seek. Here's the car, Gregory. Sorry, we have to rush, Tim. Oh, that's okay. I've got a date, too. We'll see you at the office in the morning. Well, I'll go over the other stuff with you. Oh, hello, Mr. Markham. Hello, Brady. When did you get back to town? Just this afternoon. Oh, this is Mr. Hood. How do you do? Mr. Taylor. How do you do? You're Gregory Hood, aren't you? Head of the importing firm? That's right. Well, I have a neighbor of yours. They're just a block down the hill from here. I wanted to meet you. I think I've got some stuff that'll interest you quite a bit. Gregory, it's ten minutes out. Yes. I'm afraid we have to go, Mr. Markham. Uh... What kind of stuff are you referring to? How would you like to see the very hatchet with which the Borden murders were committed? You have it, Mr. Markham? And more treasures. I think I have one of the finest collections of murder weapons in the world. Why not stop by and see them? It would uh, only take a few seconds. But how about tomorrow, Mr. Markham? Well, I'm afraid I'll be out of town for the next few days. I will not come now. Well, no, Gregory, we can't. Oh, quarter of an hour won't hurt, Sandy. Come on, you can fix it with Mrs. Olsen on the phone. Oh, Gregory. And here, Mr. Hood, is the carving knife which Henry White, the Piedmont plumber, used to decapitate his wife. I remember the case. They never did find her head, did they? Uh, strikes me as a rather grisly hobby, Mr. Markham, though I'm sure your collection's priceless. To a student of criminology like myself, Mr. Taylor, it's far from grisly. Naturally, I knew Mr. Hood's reputation as an amateur detective, and I was certain he'd be interested. I am. I am immensely. It's a superb black museum. Just think of it. Every one of these choice implements has actually tasted human blood, and usually in a celebrated case. Now, that's why I regard the hobby as a grisly one. You, uh, you wouldn't consider selling any of these trophies, would you, Mr. Markham? Selling? Hmm. Great Scott, No. But I'd like to buy more to add to the collection. Excuse me, Mr. Markham. Uh, yes, Paul, what is it? Your wife would like to speak to you for a moment. She's in the den. Oh, very well. I'll be back in a moment, gentlemen. Uh, look after my guest, Paul. Mm-hmm. I'm Paul Jackson, Mr. Markham's secretary. You're Mr. Gregory Hood, aren't you? Yes, and this is Sandy Taylor. How do you How do? You do? Uh, Gregory, it's nearly half past. Uh, as soon as Mr. Markham gets back, we'll be on our way. Mr. Hood, I've got a business proposition to make to you. Well, I'm a businessman. What's the proposition? You're an importer with connections all over the world, Mr. Hood. It occurs to me that occasionally you'd be bound to come across something that would be a perfect addition to Mr. Markham's museum. I've just been thinking the same thing myself. Me too. It would be the first opportunity I've ever had to put my interest in murder on a strictly commercial basis. Uh, the proposition, Mr. Jackson? I'd love to handle such a deal on a commission. That hardly seems ethical. Mr. Markham's your employer. He has more money than he knows what to do with. We could jack the price up and split the extra three ways. I uh, don't want to appear stuffy, Mr. Jackson, but my firm doesn't do business that way. No dice, my friend. Now, here he comes now with his wife. Please don't repeat what I said. Gentlemen, I want you to meet my wife. My dear, Gregory Hood, and Mrs. Markham, and Mr. Taylor. Mm -hmm. How do you do? I was telling Howard that I was so anxious to meet you, Mr. Hood. But I wish he'd warn me when he's bringing visitors. I look perfectly awful. You look charming, Mrs. Markham, but I'm afraid... Yes, Gregory, we must be getting along. Oh, don't rush. You've seen the collection? Yes, yes, it's fascinating. I bet Howard didn't show you my contribution. 
He doesn't think it's worthy of the rest of his time. Come in here and let me show you. Here's it for a moment. Ethel, uh, it's never been proven to be authentic. <laughs> so Howard won't let me keep it with his collection. It's banished to the study. Uh, what is the treasure? A jade and well. Somebody's supposed to have conquered 50 girlfriends on the head with it 43 times before she was ready for the casket. <laughs> I bought it in Chinatown. Oh, is this it on the desk? Yes. Mr. Hood. Yes? We have to talk about Inkwell. They bore me to the Queen. Okay, let's not talk about Inkwell. You're rushed enough. You have a case. Yes, yes, and I'm late for it now. Blonde, brunette. White-haired, and in the late 50s. She must have a daughter. She has. She plays Chopin superbly. <laughs> That's a new one. You have to go. Yes. Want to drop by later? How are you going to club? You're crazy about Howard, aren't you? Oh, sir. The tenor boy the 1901. What's the matter? Do you like him? Yes. Then why not do something about it? I'm suffering from a rush of ethics to the head. It's unfortunate. Well, if you change your mind later, I know there's no book. I'll let you go, Greg. <laughs> this time. Come along. Well, Hood, do you think it's authentic? I, uh, rather doubt it, Mr. Markham, but then it's hard to say. Oh, uh, Sandy, what's the time? Seven o'clock, Gregory. Seven o'clock? Sandy, you're a dope. Why didn't you keep an eye on your watch? We're late. All right, Gregory, I'll come up to your apartment for just one glass of port. The pot roast was worse than usual tonight, wasn't it, Sandy? And I can't think why even the Austin cook decided that brilliantine is a good basis for a salad dressing. <laughs> oh, it wasn't that, but... Gregory? Yes? I'll never quite understand you. What makes you say that? You were equally charming, both to Mrs. Markham, who had all the subtlety of a steamroller, and to Miss Austin, who's really a very nice girl. Obviously, you didn't like either of them. What kind of a woman do you like? Where's my key? Oh, here we are. What kind of a woman do I like? Huh. Well, I don't ask much, Sandy. Just an offbeat sense of humor, great beauty, and a certain way with animals. Ah, that shouldn't be too hard to find. Oh, no, of course not. What I had in mind was something like... Good evening, sir. Yes, yes, it might easily be someone very like you. Mm, who's she? Oh, she's... Uh... Oh. And who are you and how did you get in here? I smiled to a month's servant. He thought you might like me to smile at you. That's friendly of him. But I have not come here to smile at you. Uh, do sit down, won't you? Neither have I come here to sit down. I have come here to warn you about the knife. What knife? The sacrificial knife of the witch Gepochi, the god of war. That knife belonged to the followers of the gods. You must not keep it, Mr. Hood. Listen to what did I say. Whoever owns the knife wrongfully will die. He will die by the knife, too. Are you sure you haven't been reading too many mystery stories, young lady? Do not make fun of me. I've come here to bring you warning. Oh, that's very nice of you. Who are you? I am... How do you say... Azteca. Azteca. I am an Azteca teacher. I warned you. Others follow you. While you own the knife, you die. Uh, if you must threaten me, I do wish to sit down. We'd all be more comfortable. That is all I have to say. Remember what I have said. Now, wait a minute. So far, this has been a one-track conversation. Why do you have to leave? Because I wish to leave. Goodbye. Uh, I'll be back in a jiffy, Sandy. 
Why do you follow me? I'm not. I'm just being a gentleman and seeing you to your car. Who sent you here? Nobody. Where do you live? I shall not tell you. What's your phone number? I have no phone. Mine's Douglas, 6977. What's your other name, Pilar? Leave me alone. I came here to... You came here to try and scare me, and now I'm scaring you, Pilar. Oh, well, let me drive you home. Goodbye, Mr. Wood. Oh, oh, oh. Au revoir, Pilar. We'll meet again. I promise you we'll meet again. Gregory. It should have been here a week ago. Instead of which, it arrived this morning. Oh, strange things happen at the custom. Uh, uh, open the window, will you, Jim? It's stuffy in here. Okay. Anyway, it was well worth waiting for. It's a beautiful specimen. Remember what the girl said last night, Gregory? Whoever owns the knife wrongfully will die. Uh, who was that girl, Greg? Last name, address, telephone number, unknown. But she put on quite a convincing act. She didn't deem it up herself, though. I'll find out if it's up to it. Oh, this knife is exquisite. Uh, hold it up by the window, Sandy. Going to fetch a lot of money, Gregory. If I sell it. Markham would probably give his eye teeth for it. If... Yes, and as his eye teeth are undoubtedly detachable, I don't think it would be much of a bargain. Look at the blood stains on this. Probably 15th century. Look out, Gregory! What? Holy smoke! Somebody chucked a knife through the window. There's an office building opposite, but I can't see anyone. I didn't expect you to. You're dealing with an expert. You only missed me by a few inches. Awfully bad for the redwood paneling, though. Let's see. The knife's of modern make, Gregory, but it's the same pattern as the one I got in Mexico. Shall I call the police? No, Brady, this is hood company business. We can take care of it. Well, then, what are you going to do? Thank this unknown individual for tossing me a nice new import for free and plan to thank him in person as soon as possible. I'm crazy about riding in the open section of these cable cars. Good, so am I. But we've been up Knob Hill twice and down at once. This is the second trip down. Where's it getting us? Up and down Knob Hill. Cable cars are conducive to clear thinking, I find. Uh, I've been thinking. And? Get rid of that sacrificial knife. The only sensible thing to do. And you've got a perfect market for it. You mean Mr. Markham's Black Museum? Sure. I know, Sandy, but there's something about this whole business that smacks of fourth-rate melodrama. Gregory, I'd say turn the case over to the police and sell the knife to Markham. And admit that I'm scared? <laughs> no, Sandy, that isn't what I'm going to do. Another knife thrown at you, Gregory? Yes. This time it is really close. Sandy, fourth-rate melodrama or not, I'm beginning to think I'm unpopular. <laughs> Dixon. Yes, Mr. Taylor. Take this letter, please. Dear Mr. Harris, with regard to your letter of the 16th instance, as attorney for the firm of Gregory Hood Importers, I hereby give notice, and your receipt of this registered letter will acknowledge such notice, whereas the party of the first... Excuse me, Mr. Taylor. Mr. Taylor's office. Is Sandy there? Oh, yes, Mr. Hood. He's right here. It's Mr. Hood. Oh, thank you, Miss Dixon. Yes, Gregory? Sandy, I'm phoning from a bar. How very unusual. Yes, isn't it? Listen, Sandy, let me tell you something. I phoned Markham, and he's crazy to buy the sacrificial knife. Good. Sell it, Gregory. But I had a bright idea. Supposing this guy who's been chasing me with knives decides to take a crack at Markham. If we sell the knife, could we be held liable? Don't worry, Gregory. I'll work it out. Formal waiver of damages or something. I'm glad you've come to your senses, though, and decided to sell. Oh, I haven't come to my senses, Sandy. I just wanted to know whether I... Gregory! What's wrong, Mr. Taylor? I heard a man scream. It wasn't Mr. Hood, was it? I hope not. Gregory! 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 
hear the rest of Gregory Hood's story in just a second. So, in the meantime, I'm going to tell you about a white wine that's really marvelous with chicken. The wine is Petri California Sauterne. Petri Sauterne is a delicate, subtle wine, beautifully golden in color. One sip and you'll know that you've discovered the kind of wine you've long looked for. And let me tell you, Petri Sauterne is not only great with chicken, but wait till you serve it with fish or any other kind of seafood. It's just about... <laughs> well, I, I've sort of run out of words. You just taste Petri Sauterne yourself and you'll know how good it really is. Remember, there are lots of wines. So be sure you get a good wine. Always get a Petri wine. Well, that was a fine place to leave me cliffhanging. Were you killed, Gregory? This early in the series? No, Harry. By a happy quirk of fate, I wasn't killed. Oh, I'm so glad. I bet Sandy was worried, though. He was. He tried unsuccessfully to trace the call and waited anxiously until I called him back. Yes? This is Gregory. Gregory, you scared the daylights out of me. Sorry, I called you back as soon as I could. Well, what happened? Another knife thrown at you? Yes, but this time a neighboring barfly lurched in front of me. That was the yelp you must have heard. Uh, did it get him? Nicked his shoulder. Nothing serious except that he might sign the pledge. But it made me mad. It's given me an idea. I think I know how to settle this business now. Gregory, leave it alone, or at least let me... Okay, okay, Counselor, you're in on it. Meet me at Sam Macklin's office, 450 Geary, in half an hour. Who's Sam Macklin? The theatrical agent. Well, what the heck I'll you... tell you when I see you. Goodbye. Well, Sam, how's business? Hi, Greg. Uh, business ain't what it used to be. I don't think it ever has been. Well, what can I do for you this time, Greg? You chasing down the phone number of another ballet dancer? I do want to find a dancer, but I assure you it's strictly business this time. Hmm. Well, I'll see what I can do. I want the addresses of any female Spanish dancers now in San Francisco. Spanish dancers? I can find you a hundred Mexican ones. No, no, Sam. Real Spanish dancers, not Mexican. Okay, I'll, I'll look through my book. And while you're at it, see if you can track down any knife throwers for me. <laughs> Spanish dancers and knife throwers. Gregory, my boy, your tastes are certainly changing. Gregory, why are we doing the rounds of the night? I'm trying to catch the right floor show, the one that has a certain Spanish dancer that I think we'll recognize. Where does the Spanish dancer fit into the picture, Gregory? That girl, Pilar, the so-called Aztec priestess that tried to scare me last night, I have a hunch she's a dancer. Huh? What makes you think that? Well, at first, when I heard that luscious voice, I thought she might have been a singer. But when I saw the way she moved around and how she skimmed down the stairs, I changed my mind. Yes, Sandy, I have a definite hunch she's a dancer. One thing's certain. He's obviously not an Aztec. How'd you figure that one out, Gregory? She said, how do you say in English, Azteca? Azteca. She gave the Z a TH sound. That's Castilian Spanish. Mexican or any Spanish-American would say Azteca. So she's a phony. And that's why we're combing the nightclubs trying to find her. Mm. I hope she can lead us to whoever's at the back of this knife-throwing business. Well, we've seen three Spanish dancers so far, and you've made two dates. I hope this is the right place. Now do too. It is, it is. Look who's stepping out in the spotlight, Sandy. It's the same girl, all right. Now what? As soon as her number's over, we're going to persuade her to take a cab ride with us. Where to? The offices of Hood and Company and Porter. Why you take me from the club? I must dance there again tonight. Now, don't worry, Pilar. I'll get you back there in time and stay to watch you. 
Right now, we want information. Who hired you to come up and try and scare me last night? Oh, it would not be fair to tell you. He told me it was only a joke. When he paid me well, it would not be right to give the joke away. Listen, Pilar, I'm a lawyer, and I assure you you're not mixed up with a joke. You're mixed up with attempted murder. Murder? Oh, no. Mr. Wood, you must believe me, Dredd. That's think... all right, Pilar. Take it easy. Just answer my questions, and you'll be all right. They tried to murder you, Mr. Wood? Apparently, though, of course, they're really after someone else. How'd you figure that, Gregory? Well, if they were really after me, no expert knife thrower could have failed in three attempts. Therefore, the whole act of sending Pilar with the warning and the knife throwing was a deliberate plan to scare me into selling the knife fast. Now, who would be the obvious customer? Mr. Markham. Sure. So what we've uncovered now is a plan to murder Markham. Oh, I understand it now. By making the killing seem to hinge on the knife, it casts suspicion away from a personal motive for killing Markham. Very clever of you to figure that, Gregory, if I may say so. You may, Sandy. Please, Mr. Hood. I do not understand what you both talk about. I'll explain it at supper, Pilar. Now, just tell me who hired you. I do not know his name, Mr. Hood. And I hardly saw his face. He came to the club and spoke to me outside the stage door. It was very dark. I would not know him again. But you'd know his voice, Pilar, wouldn't you? Oh, see, I never forget a voice. Ah, then we're safe. But, Gregory, why are we going to your office instead of Markham's house? You know my method, Sandy. <laughs> As well as you do, which is that you make them up as you go along. Uh, uh, all right. But you do recall one of my basic ideas. Find out what you want to know, then see the guy that knows it. That's why we're going to the office. Right now, I want to see our Mexican expert, Tim Brady. So that's the situation, Tim. Somebody's scheming to murder Malcolm. Doesn't seem possible, Gregory. Mr. Hood. Not yet, Pilar. Well, Gregory, have you any idea who's back of it? All right, Pilar. Now. You are Mr. Brady. You heard me. I recognize your voice. Are you crazy? No, Brady, she isn't. It had to be you, Tim, because Pilar approached me with the warning before I got the knife. At that time, you were the only man in California who knew that I was going to receive an ancient sacrificial knife. You didn't foresee the delay. Oh, but Gregory, you're nuts. What possible motive could I have? You know the Markhams. You introduced me. And the motive for any man of average susceptibility is obvious enough after you've met Mrs. Markham. Very ingenious. You could bring in Pilar as a witness, of course. You bet we will, Brady. And my old pal, Lieutenant Silvers, at the San Francisco police has put a tracer out for me for knife throwers. I imagine you told the man who threw the knives that it was a joke, too, this business of throwing near misses. The final knife that would not have missed Markham, I imagine you planned to wield yourself. You're making a good case, Gregory, but of what? No crime has been committed yet. All the better. A detective who forestalls a murder for a change? But it seems to leave me in the clear. Not quite, Tim. That man who was wounded in the bar when the knife nicked him this afternoon, infection set in. He died in the hospital an hour ago. I'm afraid it's a murder charge, Brady. He, he died? Okay, you're the only one to compl- can... This is a pleasure, Tim. That's a honey. Knocked him out cold. And... And to think that I selected that guy to represent our Mexican interests. Uh, call the police, Sandy, will you? Yeah, right away. You did not hurt yourself, Mr. Hood. No, no, Pilar, just bruised my knuckles. Uh, Sandy, Tim pulled a gun on us. I imagine we can book him on assault with intention to commit murder, can't we? Sure, but this man that died, Gregory, why didn't you tell me? Because I only dreamed it up just now. It seemed the one way to make Tim show his hand. <laughs> Gregory, you're completely unprincipled. Sure, I am. I, I think you're wonderful, Mr. Hood. When Tim pulled that gun just now, you called me Gregory. Why go back to Mister? Very well. Gregory. 
Oh, but please, you must take me back to my club soon. Just as soon as the police get here, Pilar, the two of us will take you back. And later on tonight, we'll really show you the town. <laughs> oh, not me, Gregory. I'm going home to Mary and the children. Give me police headquarters. Then Pilar and I will do the town alone. It's a date, Pilar? Very much of a date, Gregory. <laughs> That story was a beauty, Greg. Uh, but there's one thing I'd like to know. Uh, I'd like to know if, if I... I kept my date with Pilar. Well, yeah, that's right. How'd you know I was going to ask that? Everybody else does. Why not you? And I can tell you that your next question is going to be... Uh, what's, what's Pilar's, Pilar's phone, phone number? number? <laughs> right. Uh, and your answer? As they say at the phone company, I'm sorry we cannot divulge that information. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Let's order dinner and forget it. Good. Shall we try the scallopini fiore d'Italia? Sure. Let's see. Um, what wine shall I order? As if you don't know. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Kid me. But you know as well as I do that we can't mess with Petri wine. Check. Why, the Petri family has been making wine for generations. The art of making fine wine is... Their heritage. A heritage handed on down from father to son, from father to son. No wonder Petri wine is so good. And no wonder the Petri business has grown and grown, so that today the Petri family are America's largest independent winemakers. Yes, the making of Petri wine is a family affair, and the Petri family intends to keep it that way. Because by so doing, they can be sure that every bottle of wine that bears the name Petri is and always will be good wine. Well, Gregory, what story out of your case book are you planning to tell us next week? A little tale that concerns a date at the top of the Mark Hopkins Hotel and a certain gunman by the name of Lem Carker who was convinced that I'd look so much better as a corpse. See you next Monday, Harry. <laughs> Book of Gregory Hood is written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher. Original music is composed and played by Dean Foster. Gail Gordon plays the part of Gregory Hood, and Sanderson Taylor is played by Art Gilmore. The Petri Wine Company of San Francisco, California, invites you to tune in again next week, same time, same station. The Casebook of Gregory Hood comes to you from our Hollywood studio. This is Harry Bartell saying good night for the Petri family. Welcome back. Uh, I uh, I guess I got a reminder of the power of radio as I was sitting here kind of uh, feeling very uh, <laughs> uh, grossed out by the Black Museum, which was not actually there. It was just uh, reading a radio script, but I was just kind of like, oh, that's icky. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it really does kind of establish the character of Gregory Hood. And you can kind of see, um, certainly, uh, the character is definitely a connoisseur and with very particular taste, but not quite uh, snobbish, which I think makes a, an interesting character. 
All right. Well, oh, and I also love the uh, joke about uh, when uh, Harry Bartell asked him, uh, did you get killed? Which was obviously an absurd question, and his answer was equally absurd. What, this early in the series? That was cute. All right. Well, that'll do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow, and we'll continue on with the Star of Cape Town matter. And we'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of the Casebook of Gregory Hood. In the meantime, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. You can follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.